where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 702, and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Andrew Marsh is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, Michelle Smallman. How are you doing? I am doing great, Randy. Good morning. How are you? Looking forward to speaking to one of our great friends, the wizard, Ozzie Smith at 915. He's got a big announcement coming up. So if you're just tuning in, make sure that if you're at the office, you have us on the app and you're tuning in at 915. And uh, we always enjoy talking to Hall of Famers here. And one of my all-time favorites is Ozzie Smith. And he's making a big announcement, so you're going to want to listen to that. Yeah, looking forward to hearing from Ozzie. We're also going to talk to Mike Claiborne coming up at 845. And then after Ozzie, we're going to talk to Darren Pang. Blues at Dallas tonight, taking on the Stars. And they have back-to-backers against the Stars. Tonight, 630, pregame here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario. Curbs and Joey will have the call at 7.30. And then Friday, Michelle, the Blues are back home to take on the Dallas Stars again in this back-to-backer. And that's a 6 o'clock pregame before the uh, Blues embark on a road trip to Canada. A three-gamer in Canada. I'm looking at the schedule, Randy, as you're going through it. And I'm wondering at what point in the schedule are the Blues going to get a chunk of their guys back? When are we going to start to see the Cavalry return? Michelle, I would suggest that that might be tonight. I'm hoping so, at least a few. Yesterday, the Blues announced that David Perron has been placed on long-term injured reserve, retroactive to November 27th, so he has to miss two more games. The Blues also placed Robert Thomas and Braden Shen on IR. So, yeah, you're getting some guys back, but you're <laughs> losing some guys too. It's Although unbelievable. Thomas was already out. Shenner gets hurt the other night, and it'll be good for him to get at least a week and probably more than that, probably through Christmas, he'll be off. But Tyler Bozak has been activated from IR. Justin Falk has been activated from IR. And another player from Springfield is going to make his NHL and Blues debut. And this is a fun name. Alexei Toropchenko has been called up from Springfield, where he had nine points, five goals, four assists in 22 games. Toropchenko, we love it. Toropchenko. Now, it is a bummer to hear that even though guys are returning, some guys are still unavailable for the Blues, Randy. But as long as Nathan Walker is there, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) And the Russian line. Who would have thought that we would have uh, a Russian line of Barbashev centering Tarasenko and uh, Pavel Buchnevich? And they're doing great. And uh, at the beginning of the season, I would not have thought that your best line would be centered by Ivan Barbashev. But that's what's happening. 
No, you you wouldn't have expected that. Maybe you would have thought that Buchnevich would come over and provide a little bit of a spark for the Blues. You knew that that was going to be an interesting acquisition for this team. I never thought that Vladimir Tarasenko would be the Vladimir Tarasenko that we're seeing this season. Out of all of those guys, or really any component of this Blues team, that has been the most surprising thing for me this season. I just thought physically he didn't have it. Is there one aspect, because I'll give you mine, is there one aspect of Tarasenko's game Obviously, we're all surprised by the fact that he's healthy and, and playing and playing physical. Is there one aspect of his game that has surprised you, though? Well, that's it, the physicality of it. When I'm seeing him lean his shoulder in and go to the net and, and put his body on the line, we haven't seen that for years. No, And, and, and so that tells me that not only he's feeling great, but he's confident in the way that, that he feels. And I, I kind of thought that he would play with fear of that shoulder mm-hmm. getting hurt again, and he doesn't appear to be playing with any fear. He's third on the team in assists. He's got eight goals and 15 assists, and he's always been a good playmaker. But previously, Blues coaches have always set him up to shoot, to receive the passes. So the fact that he has 15 assists, only Thomas and Cairo have more, tells me that he wants to play a complete game. And if, if I were to pick out one thing, it's that he's utilizing that passing ability that he has. And he's clearly motivated to prove that he's still got it and prove everyone wrong. And it's a shame that it... I know for years he was not healthy, so that's obviously a caveat here. But it's a shame that it takes wanting to get out of a situation for a player to have to be motivated to such a degree to want to play to a certain level. Yeah, and it's interesting with this team, Michelle, because there's a lot of times where they've been good. And I think part of our nature as sports fans in this day and age is to look for, even if we're really good, we look for the bad thing. Oh, what could be better? But because the Blues are overcoming so much, yeah. I know... I, Hey, we say, okay, well, we'd like to get more out of Colton Pareko. We'd like to see him play more consistently. But because they're picking up points in this situation, I'm more intrigued and actually enthralled by the fact that they're winning despite all of the issues that they're encountering. You're absolutely correct. I am shocked that we're seeing the Blues peel off points in the manner in which they have. And I'm I'm more intrigued by these young players that mm-hmm. we're seeing coming up and seeing what their skills are and how they potentially could be utilized by the Blues, not only in the present, but in the future. What's the future going to look like? This is a nice peek into the crystal ball of what the Blues have and some guys that we may be pretty familiar with in years to come. This will be the third nucleus and it appears to be a quality nucleus that Army has built with this team. You go from the, the group that included Petro and Bacchus and Oshie and Steiner, and then you followed that up with O'Reilly and Shen, and uh, you still had Petro there, but he added Bo Meester to that mix. And now you're moving forward, and when everybody's healthy, Thomas and Kairou, and he added Justin Falk to the mix in Biddington. That's pretty impressive. That's You look at what Chicago has done, what the Kings have done. They've fallen off and had top picks in the draft. It looks like the Blues are really good at rebuilding on the fly. Well, Doug Armstrong has done a marvelous job of not only building teams that can compete now, but looking down the road. Yeah, he, he's pretty impressive. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And uh, we woke up this morning and we were wah, wah. Big time. Kind of sad. Big time. Because our favorite team this week, the Cardinals. <laughs> this week. Lost to the uh, the team that we really don't want to win. 30-23 to 23 was the final last night. 
Kyler Murray with a couple of interceptions that led to Rams touchdowns. And so the Rams now within one game of the Cardinals in the NFC West. Big win for the Rams, not only because it was a division win versus the team they're chasing in the Arizona Cardinals, but you get that win without Tyler Higbee and Jalen Ramsey, who tested positive for COVID and had to be whisked away on a private jet. That's a massive win for them. And a couple of mistakes, I think, by Cliff Kingsbury on going for fourth downs and the play calls to James Conner. And I don't mind running the ball, but why not use Kyler Murray? If you have him and he's one of your most exciting players in the league, if you have Kyler Murray, use him to try to pick up a fourth and one, fourth and two. I would. Seems like he can't be stopped. On a fourth and two, he's practically unstoppable. And by the way, you don't run into the teeth of that defense. You, You don't run within five feet of Aaron Donald. If you try to go for it on fourth down against the Rams, you're trying to get out to the perimeter. Is Aaron Donald the scariest person in sports? Yeah, he is right now because he can overwhelm a grown man. He he can push a grown man back into a quarterback, and he's only 285 pounds. Multiple men he can push back at once. he's, He's so strong and so quick. Yeah, he is really, really scary. And by the way, plays a generally clean game. Three sacks last night, I believe, and a tip pass. He's so good. Yeah, hate to say it, but at least he's ours. You know, they stole him from us. But how fun would that have been for us to be able to watch Aaron Donald here in St. Louis for the entirety of his career? That would have been great. We would have loved him so much. Yeah, I would have felt bad for him playing on seven to nine teams literally every single year. No, he would have been fired by now. Not if they were in St. Louis. You think Jeff Fisher would have still been the head coach of the St. Louis Rams? Oh, yeah. If Kroenke would have been turned down and he would have been forced to stay here. Yeah, he would make life miserable for all the fans. Well, he did anyway. He did anyway, (laughs) but I don't know how you justify that. No. Hey, Michelle, did you see that because the NFL has extended the season, New Orleans couldn't host the Super Bowl in 2024 because of Mardi Gras? The Super Bowl would have interfered with Mardi Gras, and they're essentially the same thing. So the 2024 Super Bowl has been moved to Vegas. I saw that, and it's interesting that in most cities in the country, nothing is bigger than the Super Bowl. Yeah. But in New Orleans, Mardi Gras comes first. I have done both. And there are no parades for the Super Bowl. But in terms of crowds, it's actually pretty similar. Being on Canal Street or being on Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras or during the Super Bowl, actually pretty similar with the crowds. You'd I'm kind of surprised that they didn't want to merge both. How fun would that have been? I don't know if they had the infrastructure or the capacity to do it, but it would have just been the biggest party anyone's ever seen. Yeah, they would have had to kick some people out. They do anyway. Super Bowl 36. We're on Bourbon Street. We're on a second level bar. (laughs) And there was actually a Patriot fan. I don't know how this happened. There was a Patriot fan that actually got kicked out for being too drunk on Bourbon Street. You must be like 17 sheets to the wind if right. you're going to get kicked out of a bar on Bourbon Street. Yeah, so from that perspective, hey, congrats to a Patriots fan. You did something that nobody else has ever done. <laughs> How many hurricanes do you think that person consumed? Probably, well, four or five. I wonder how long that hangover was for that person. Yeah. Was it a four or five day hangover? Might have been. Did you miss the Super Bowl? Yeah, because this was like on Thursday night. Oof. Rookie mistake. Yeah, it really was. You don't go that hard the first night. My rookie mistake is one hurricane. Oh, that's a lot. That was a cruncher. All right, we're (laughs) off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, 
we are going to have another edition of The Backler. That's right. It's The Bachelor, but with NFL quarterbacks. And it's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 32 quarterbacks, all vying for that final game ball. Who will Randy and Michelle choose? Find out this week on The Backler. Yes, it's time for another episode of The Backler on 101 ESPN. Michelle and I trying to find the perfect quarterback, and it's not as easy as you might think it is. Here as the MC of The Backler is Andrew Marsh. All right. Well, we are down to the nitty gritty of things. And this week, we only have one one on one per each of you, except for this week. There's a twist. You, Randy, will be choosing Michelle's one on one. Okay. And vice versa. And there are only three spots each. So we're losing two quarterbacks this week. Okay. I think we can do this. Well, this is easy for me because I know who Michelle wants to interview for her one-on-one, and I'm going to be a nice guy. Oh, okay. So, uh, Michelle, congratulations. You're interviewing Tom Brady. Oh, amazing. Thank you. You did say that we're in search of the perfect quarterback, no? Yes. And I would think not only the perfect quarterback is someone that you can trust. By the way, can I just say that this wouldn't happen with a bunch of young women trying to choose from among 32 men. You wouldn't find a woman that would say, oh, I'm going to give her the best guy. Or how about a group of young men trying to do this with women? That's not going to happen either. That's not going to happen either. Can you imagine? Dude, I know you like her, so go ahead. (laughs) Bro, she's the best. (laughs) And she's a whack job. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Happen. Um, but again, we're, we're trying to get the perfect quarterback. And when you think about things that are required of the perfect quarterback, Randy, the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, always there, literally for decades, always yeah. there. He is he's going to make the smart decision 99% of the time. He's a proven winner. He's literally dedicated his life to being our quarterback. This guy doesn't even eat regular ice cream, okay? Yeah, that's kind of gross. This is not even a question. In this one-on-one, I'm definitely giving a game ball to Tom Brady. Okay, good. I like that. And thank you for giving me the guy that I clearly want to win the Bacalar. I'm not as nice as you are, so I'm going to give you a guy that I don't know if you're going to want to have a one-on-one with him. Let's talk about Tom Brady's successor. Randy, your one-on-one is with Mac Jones. All right. Well, see, Michelle, I am one of those people, and I know there are people around that likes my quarterback to be able to throw the ball more than 20 yards. (laughs) And I understand that Mac Jones is completing 70% of his passes, but that's kind of how Mark Bulger completed 70% of his passes, too, is by throwing the ball short, checking it down. The all-time record for one season for completion percentage is held by Sam Bradford. Check down Sammy, okay? Mac Jones is a healthy Sam Bradford right now. All due respect. Shout out to Sammy B, though. He got the bag. Yeah, but if Sam Bradford would have played in this same offense for Belichick with the execs, he played for Josh McDaniels. He would have done the exact same thing. So I cannot give Mac Jones a game ball. Uh, I seems like a really swell guy, but I can't give him a game ball. Or a rose. So, uh, Mac, sorry, buddy. (laughs) Randy. Sometimes it doesn't matter what it looks like. All that matters is that you win. And Mac is doing that. I I could give you 20 quarterbacks in the NFL that would do what Mac is doing. Okay. All right. 
So, all right. So now the second aspect to this, back to Andrew Marsh. Yeah, so now you can choose from all of the available quarterbacks. And Randy, of course, since you said no to Mac Jones, you have an extra spot. Michelle has two more game balls to give out. Okay, well, uh, this is very easy for me. I'm going to go with the guy that's won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. He threw a couple of touchdown passes on Sunday against the Raiders. Uh, Patrick Mahomes fits very well with the the guy that I want to uh, win my game ball. Oh, you know what's funny is as you were describing that person, I wrote down Rodgers because I thought that you were definitely going to take the second best quarterback available after I snagged Tom Brady. So. Kind of like availability, though. I understand, and he did say that there was a step back with the toe. But we're talking, we're talking in totality here, right? Not just in the moment. So give me a Aaron as my next guy to get the game ball. Okay, good. Uh, then Michelle, I am going to go with uh, the bell of the ball, as it were. Do you know who it is? I hope it's not the guy that I want. He's playing Thursday night, and he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's Justin Herbert. That's exactly who I wanted. Yep. That 59-yard bomb that we saw from him. Gosh, that was perfect. How about that? He's still in the hunt here. Good snag by you, Randy. I really wanted Justin Herbert. So who do I have available? Jimmy G, Dak, and Josh Allen? Is that right? Uh, Let's see. Yeah, that is correct. Jimmy G, Dak, and Josh Allen. That's right. Wow, this is difficult. Because... You know what? I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Out of those three, even though I really like Dak a lot and Jimmy G is playing better, if I have to pick one of those guys, I trust Josh Allen the most. Okay, good. Okay, so I've got... uh, Oh, man. This is tough for Randy because he loves him some Jimmy G. I I got two guys that just look unbelievable emerging from the ocean in a swimsuit because it might be the two best sets of abs for quarterbacks in the whole NFL, <laughs> right? And I'm trying to pick a backler here. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Jimmy G. I don't know about that, though, because we're not seeing Justin Herbert's abs. He could have a straight six-pack, oh, and we don't true. know. Oh, that's true, yeah, and he's in L.A., so yeah, that, that very well. But he's in the film room, you know? He's not emerging slowly from the ocean. Yeah. We're not seeing that. Do I go with the guy who's got the number one offense, or do I go with the guy who has taken his team to the Super Bowl? That's the question here. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, even he's even though he's a cowboy, he's somewhat likable. He is. He's very likable. I am coming back from that injury. Yeah. I am going to give my game ball to Dak. Wow, I'm shocked. I did not think that you would leave Jimmy G out there. I don't think that we can have Jimmy G in our final six. All due respect, I love the guy. But Brady, Rodgers, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Dak is a legit final six. I don't think if you have Garoppolo in there rather than Dak, it's as much as I love the guy, it's as legit a final six. You made the right choice. I just know that you have an affinity for Jimmy G. I do, man. I know you think that he's he's a good-looking Italian guy. I understand. He's the Italian stallion. <laughs> I mean, and look at who he dates. I don't know who he dates. Oh, he, 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 
Uh, just do a Google search for Jimmy oh, Garoppolo girlfriend. You mean in the past? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant now. <laughs> no. I was like, I don't know. Well, I know, Randy, you're all up to that on the IG. You, you know I am. Yeah, you know all the scoop. Yeah, so he's out and about. So uh, Michelle's one-on-one was with Brady. I turned down a one-on-one with Mac Jones. So Michelle has chosen Brady, A.A. Ron, and Josh Allen. And I have chosen Patrick Mahomes, family and all, Justin <laughs> Herbert, and Dak Prescott. So there you go. Good luck with Patrick Mahomes during that hometown visit. Yeah, that's uh, it's, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Like I said, this is going to be tough. But looking at it right now, who who do you think are the favorites here? Oh, I would say Brady is definitely number one. Right, he's the odds-on favorite. If you're looking at this group, I don't know how you don't think Tom Brady is the favorite to win the Beckler. He's the winningest and perhaps best quarterback we've ever seen in the history of the league. And he's doing this into his 40s. He is. And he has a legitimate chance to win another Super Bowl. But we have a thrower that's as good as a thrower as Dan Marino was Mm -hmm. in Mahomes. And Mahomes does a lot of winning, too. He just hasn't had the, the 20 years to do it like Tom Brady has. And if you're going to win a game, this is really tough because... If you gave me all of these guys and said, okay, Randy, right now in 2021, I'm just going to plug a guy in on any team to win a game, I'm going with Rodgers. And you know who's not far behind for me is Justin Herbert. No, he's not. Because I I believe Rodgers and Herbert and more Rodgers than anybody else. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing without his two best offensive linemen. He lost his center last year. So his three best offensive linemen from last year, Al Bakhtiari, Elgin Jenkins, they lost Lindsley, their center. His uh, He lost his number one tight end. He's got Devontae Adams, but then he's made stars out of people like Alan Lazard and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. What he does in terms of elevating the talent around him is absolutely amazing. He's ridiculous. Yep. I think it's crazy just to think back and, I mean, Justin Herbert, could have never even happened if Tyrod Taylor didn't get injured. That's right. Yeah, if he doesn't get a shot that collapses his lung. Punctured lung. Well, and think about this. A pick before Justin Herbert went to a win. Oh, he's nowhere to be found on this list. No, he's not. And uh, who was uh, number one overall last year? Oh. Tre- Trevor Lawrence. Trevor. No, I mean the year Burrow? that Herbert was the... Oh. Joe Burrow, Burrow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you've got... Uh, it's pretty interesting. I'll be interested to see in eight years what that class looks like. Because I think Justin Herbert's also set up with an organization to be better off historically with the organizations than Burrow or Tua. If you had to pick two young quarterbacks that are going to be the Brady Manning of the future, like we cannot wait for this quarterback duel, who do you think those guys are going to be? I'd go Herbert and Allen. Herbert and Allen. Do we put Mahomes in that mix? I don't consider because he's, a, he's in the next age bracket. Yeah, he's already seized, yeah. too seasoned. I, I would say Mahomes and Dak would be yeah that, good call. that group. But the problem is that they're in different conferences. I for Brady and Manning, you have to have the guys in the same conference and have them play a lot. What about Kyler? Because I'm thinking Burrow, Herbert as the two guys. Yeah, that absolutely could be But Kyler's in the mix, too. Yeah, and is there a guy... He's a different type of quarterback, but... Right. Even in a loss last night, and even though he made some mistakes last night, if that guy gets loose, you're not stopping him. No. And maybe, we we don't know yet, but maybe Kyler and uh, Justin Fields down the line? We, We don't know what he'll be. 
Kyler and Dak. Dak is young enough. Dak, what's Dak? Like 26, 27? Stand by. Uh, he, he's still pretty young. Kyler. He, Dak is 28. 28. So maybe that doesn't. And Kyler's probably, what, 23. So maybe that doesn't happen. There's really in the NFC that young, dynamic guy, unless Jalen Hurts turns into that guy. He's not there. And Kyler's Jaylen, 24. Yeah, okay. Um, so somebody's going to have to pick a, a really good quarterback from the NFC. I don't know who it's going to be. But I think there's more opportunity for that to happen in the AFC than the NFC. All right. Thank you, Andrew. You got it. There's the Backler on 101 ESPN. The St. Louis Bowl was held last night. And the older St. Louis team lost to the most recent St. Louis team. We'll touch on what you thought next on 101 ESPN. Which QB will roll out of the pocket and into the hearts of Randy and Michelle? Find out next week on The Backler. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A 30-23 victory for the L.A. Rams over the Arizona Cardinals last night in the St. Louis Bowl. Michelle, I was kind of looking forward to it because since the Rams left and this became the St. Louis Bowl, this is really the first time both of these teams have been good. Both of them have a chance to be playoff teams that do some damage. Arizona ascended last year, and they were nearly a playoff team. But this year, they're legit. And the Rams, as much as we hate to say it, they're pretty good, too. They are pretty good, too. Big win for them last night, especially, Randy, when we got news right before the game that Tyler Higbee and Jalen Ramsey tested positive for COVID and they weren't going to be in that game. I thought, oh, the Cardinals are going to easily beat the Rams. Those are two guys that they can't afford to lose. So the fact that the Rams came out and beat the Cardinals in the manner in which they did, that was a big win for them. And what happened to the Cardinals was Kyler Murray threw a red zone interception, really a 14-point swing. Should have been a touchdown for the Cardinals in the, in the second quarter. Uh, they take over 350 into the second quarter and turn it into a 10-play 68-yard drive for a touchdown. That provided the Rams' first touchdown. And then in the third quarter, Kyler throws another interception, and that results in a Rams touchdown. Turnover game, right? And the two interceptions by Murray resulting in touchdowns for the Rams, one deep in Rams territory, one deep in Cardinals territory, and that was the difference in the game. Yeah, absolutely. When you're able to convert those takeaways into touchdowns, that's that's your headline right there. How dynamic is Kyler Murray, though? He was able to rush for... Uh, let me get this right here. He was their leading rusher. Uh, second leading. No, he was their leading rusher. Seven carries for 61 yards. And it seemed like he was unstoppable. But he had to put the ball, ball up 49 times. 32 of 49. And no touchdowns and through those two interceptions. And that did it. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, he, he was typical Matthew Stafford. 23 of 32, 87. He threw for three touchdowns, including a long touchdown to, to Van Jefferson. And there was one point where... The Cardinals went low, and I think it was actually the St. Louisan uh, who went low on uh, uh, on Stafford and wasn't able to knock him out of the game. You weren't hoping for that, though. I wasn't. <laughs> we don't want him to be injured. No. Marcus, want... Marcus Golden, by the way, is a really good player. I want the Rams to be at full strength and lose. That's what I want. I want there to be no excuses. I want them to really think they have a chance and then lose. I want the... I want their fans' hearts stomped on. 
But don't you think that they would be stomped on if they didn't have something that they could blame? If, if Matthew Stafford gets hurt, they're going to say, oh, that's the reason we lost. I want them to be at full strength and just get worked. No, I just want L's. I, I don't care how they come about. I just want L's. Well, I was hoping they would get an L last night, but they didn't. But Aaron Donald was such a factor in this game. He always is. Gosh, yep. he is the scariest person alive. Yeah. If you're in a dark alley yeah. and you see Aaron Donald, run. Now, Michelle, before last night, I hopped on Twitter and said, St. Louis Bowl, who you got? And it was basically a landslide in favor of people wanting the old St. Louis Cardinals to beat the old St. Louis Rams. It was about 25 to 1, and we do want people to weigh in. Who did you want to win last night, and does it bother you still when the Rams win, and especially when it's against a team that a lot of us have an emotional attachment to in the Cardinals? And I I believe it was like 25, 26 to 2 in favor of people rooting for the football Cardinals. Do you think if it wasn't a game versus the Rams that people still really have that much of an emotional connection to Arizona? I think some do, certainly more than the Rams. And I think because the Cardinals are good again, people like the idea. It's kind of a romantic thing. It's nostalgic to see them win. But I think especially because they're in the same division Mm -hmm. as the Rams. Anytime they win a game, it causes the Rams to be further away from winning a division. So I think there is. I think there's a lot of not that there isn't more uh, rooting for whoever the Rams play, but I think there is a, a huge part of nostalgia among St. Louisans that want them, want the Cardinals to win. See, there's an entire generation of people like me that never knew yeah. football Cardinals, the football Cardinals. Right. That, and I, I have no affinity for them. For me, it's the team that Kurt Warner played for and took to a Super Bowl. You know, that's my mm-hmm. St. Louis connection is that I cheered for Kurt Warner yeah. after he wasn't with St. Louis and he went to Arizona. And it's it's certainly, I think, for a lot of people easier now to look back. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and see the way things went down with mm-hmm. the Cardinals and their move to Arizona and differentiate how different it was with the way things played out with the Rams and have a little bit more affinity and affection for them because there was good times there. But it's, isn't it crazy to think that we saw the greatest show on turf and it should be the other way around. It yeah. should be that that we is a Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl champion and the most exciting team that we'll probably ever see in our entire lives. And we, even though I think that we we compartmentalize that team versus the laundry, mm-hmm. it should be the other way around. That will always have a little bit of affection for the Rams because of that team, but that's just not realistic. Tons of texts here. Uh, I missed, uh, let's see, I still follow the Rams. I cheer for the team, not the owner and staff. Followed them since I was a kid. It's hard to break the cycle. And I just have a, an appreciation for the town and what was said about the town by the owner. And if the players succeed, then the owner and Demoff succeed. So I just don't want to see them succeed. Outside of Aaron Donald, though, really, there aren't that many. There aren't that many of the St. Louis guys left. No, Aaron Donald, Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker, yeah. Is that it? Rob Havenstein, if you're a big Rob Havenstein fan. There are some of them out there, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's been easier for me, is that the guys that were really our guys, the Chris yeah. Longs and the James Laurinaitises of the world, aren't with the team. Even Gurley, who after yeah. the first year said this was for St. Louis when he picked up his Rookie of the Year award. True. Also, it's a lot easier to not cheer for the laundry when the laundry is so ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, is that bad. It is that was so a bone on bone. bad. Yeah. Uh, from the 314, was pulling for Arizona. Anytime the Rams lose, it's always a great day. Rooting for the Cardinals to go far, plus my favorite baseball team are the Cardinals. Go Birds. It's true. Here's another one from the 314. Michelle, I want your take on this. I'll give you mine. Would you rather the Rams make the playoffs and then get bounced, or would you rather have the Rams have a terrible season? Um, I would rather them have a terrible season. 
Because I, if they're making the playoffs, yeah. that means there's butts in the seats at SoFi, and that stand's making money. Yeah. I want them to have terrible seasons because they've traded all their number ones. I want other teams to benefit. In the, this case, it's... Uh, Who's the latest? Is it still Detroit from? Yeah, it'll be Detroit from the Stafford yeah. trade. I want other franchises to benefit from the Rams being terrible. Did the Broncos too in the Von Miller deal? No, I they didn't what give they up. Got. Yeah, I forget they, what they, they gave didn't, for him. I, They might have given up two picks, yeah. yeah. I don't think they have a one, a two, or a three this year. There are some picks going there. You know yeah. what? I want them to have terrible seasons because I want their fans to have to endure what we had to endure. Mm. Co- talk to me about your interest in that team after 15 and 65. Yeah. Yeah, somebody uh, tweeted how terrible it is for New York fans that over the last five years, the Giants have won only 22 and the Jets have won only 21 over the last five years. And I tweeted back, I said, this long way from 15 and 65. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it it is. is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. But just a couple more texts from you guys. Thank you very much for them. From the 816, I was just hoping they would both lose. Yes, from the 314. <laughs> As long as the L.A. Lambs don't win a Super Bowl, I'm happy. It was fun to see them, hear them, hear about them losing that Super Bowl. Can I give you a worst-case scenario? Yeah. Kroenke pays off St. Louis, and even though it's a big chunk of change, it's in his rearview mirror, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to deal with the headlines. And in the year that he's hosting the Super Bowl and so far, the Rams get in. Yeah, worst case. Worst-case scenario, right? It would be. He would win two times. Even yeah. if the Rams don't win the Super Bowl, the fact that he would be hosting it and his team was in it is a win for him. It would be bad. We cannot have that happen, people. And right now, I believe that with the Cardinal loss last night, the Packers are the number one seed in the NFC. So the Packers just need to keep winning because the Rams ain't going to uh, uh, Green Bay in January and uh, winning a game up Let's there. Let's go A-A-Ron. Fix yeah. that toe. Absolutely. All right, coming up next on 101 ESPN, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time to take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, Andrew Marsh. Michelle, take it or leave it. Urban Meyer would hate having Randy Carricker in his building because I would take a leadership role and go to every single people person in the organization and say, hey, go to Urban and say, you're the leak. And he'd have to fire everybody. Wait, you want everybody sink to walk in? Everybody. He said, every it, individual? He, he said if you're the leak... Your here's the, the quote about leaks. That's garbage. If there is a source, then that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds. So what I think is that the offensive coordinator should walk in and say, I'm the, I'm the leak. Fired. Then the defensive coordinator walk in. <laughs> I'm the leak. Fired. Linebackers coach. I'm the leak. Fired. Uh, receivers coach. I'm the leak. Fired. Every single person on the staff and every single player should walk into his office and say, I'm the leak. So that they're all fired and he's alone on Sunday. That would be great. Um, and you know what? All of them could be leaks. They could yeah, all right. individually they, they be could. leaking. Yeah. And those guys probably won out anyway. Yeah. I cannot believe that Shad Khan, and he said he's going to gather all the facts and he's going to be patient. Uh, take the take the 5,000-foot view now. 
how can this guy recover? How can Urban Meyer recover from all of this? You're telling me that both NFL Network had garbage information that was verified by ESPN and Adam Schefter? you telling me that two competing entities both had garbage information? That doesn't happen. No, that does not happen. And when they say sources, plural, have confirmed, they're talking to a lot of people. And by the way, Tom Pelissero is employed by the NFL. That's true. That's true. (laughs) You both represent the Shield. Yeah, exactly. And Urban, if you're treating people this way, why do you expect them to have loyalty to you? Yeah. If you're calling them losers and throwing them under the bus publicly and making your assistant coaches stand up and defend their resume and say what they've won and you have all the players revolting against you, why do you expect people to then keep your confidences if you're calling them losers? I would want to tell on you too. You know what I do the next day after that staff meeting where Meyer was asking people to defend their resumes. If I'm Daryl Bevel, I'm wearing my Super Bowl ring into work oh. and I'm sitting at the table and just tapping it on the table saying, hey, buddy, got one of these? What a flex. Yeah. That'd be good. Okay, Randy, we were talking about the St. Louis Bowl, the Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams, both former properties of St. Louis. Take it or leave it. If you could get one do-over and you could go back and anything that you've experienced in your sports life undo, it would not be the Rams leaving St. Louis. I'll take that. It would be the Cardinals leaving St. Louis. And I know that it was miserable for 20 years after they left in Arizona. But I grew up adoring that. Uh, Michelle, I would sit in elementary school and draw the football Cardinal logo. That was my childhood. That's like the greatest memories I have as a kid. Mm-hmm. And if we could have kept that franchise around and that was my do-over, I absolutely would have done that. As much as I loved having the greatest show on turf here and love all the guys and loved that experience, to have had the NFL from 1960 all the way through, if there was one I could have undone, it would have been that one. Mine would be the 2005 National Championship game. Sure, yeah. Illinois, North Carolina. That's my biggest sports heartbreak. So I would definitely undo that. But the more we talk about this, when we talk about it being the St. Louis Bowl, that was a toxic relationship. He did not want to be here. He was not putting a good product on the field. I think as a community, even though we miss the NFL and we miss having a team to cheer for on Sundays, that was not it. That was not something that was going to benefit us in the long run or ever bring us the joy we hoped it would. And Kroenke's motivation, his sole motivation, is dollars. We never could have competed with Los Angeles dollars here. He wasn't in it to win. He wasn't in it for his home state or St. Louis. He was in it for the dollars. And as soon as he got the franchise on in August, he the when the day that the, the league voted for him to become the majority owner of the franchise, he registered the Rams as a California company. Mm-hmm. It was over. So... He, he was only about the dollars, and we didn't have a chance to keep that team, whereas we did have a chance to keep the football Cardinals because Bill Bidwill loved St. Louis. He would come back to St. Louis unannounced just to go to Crown Candy Kitchen. He, he maintained his philanthropy in the St. Louis area. Uh, as I said in the town hall meeting, Frankie never did one thing philanthropically in St. Louis. So, yes, the football Cardinals certainly cared more about St. Louis than the, the Rams did. All right, Andrew, what do you got on the text line? All right, sticking with football, take it or leave it, Tyler Beatty not making first-team All-American is nothing short of highway robbery. I'm going to leave that. I can get why people – did Walker get All-American? I didn't even look. I I think he did from Michigan State. 
and he was the leading rusher in uh, among the Power Five conferences. I can see giving it to him. And Beatty was named second team All American, I believe. So I'm okay with that. I, uh, it's not a crime. But if Mizzou was better, I certainly think that Tyler Definitely. Beatty would have more hardware to show for his season. Yeah, it, that is what it's all about, is being better. And at one point, Michigan State was ranked number two in the country. Mm-hmm. From the 618, take it or leave it, Jack Flaherty will sign a multi-year contract with the Cardinals in 2022. Oh, I'm going to leave that. I don't see it happening. I think he's going to enter free agency and... I would love to see Jack Flaherty stay here, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to write the biggest check. I don't think that this is a bad thing for an athlete to be motivated by money because that means you're motivated by greatness. But Jack Flaherty has had a plan since he got to the major leagues to make a bunch of money, and I don't think he's going to leave money on the table. No, I don't either. And do you think the Cardinals are going to write the biggest check? No, I don't think so. Neither do I. As a matter of fact, even though he's their guy and even though he's still young, I would be shocked if the Cardinals would go nine years with a pitcher. Shocked. And I don't think that they will. And because of that difference of opinion, because I think he does want a Garrett Cole-type contract, I don't think they'll ever get on the same page. We love Jack Flaherty. We know what life is like without him. And the Cardinals are certainly Mm -hmm. in a better position with him. But he's had so many injuries. I'm not going nine years with any pitcher, especially one that I don't know if he's going to be available for me. But what pitcher, I mean, outside of Adam Wainwright, who's defying all the odds and is at 40, what pitcher do you really think is going to be available for you for for the majority of a nine-year contract? Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Is it? It's just not. Who? There's no pitcher on the no. Cardinal staff that I feel no. like I can trust to be healthy no. for an entire season outside of Adam no. Wainwright. Or any. I, I, there's no pitcher. No. The, but in but Wayno seems to have some, unlocked yeah. some sort of code. I don't know what the yep. deal but is. It, but I mean, if you look at Wayno's last nine years, literally the last half of nine it years, has yeah. been spent. It hurt. For sure. Do you think that Flaherty could be Wayno in the future. I mean, Wayno had his problems early on in his career. 2007, wasn't a part of the team. 2011, I and mean, he wasn't even on that World Series. I mean, he was on the team, but like he had no contribution to the team from an on-field standpoint. I mean, losing Flaherty, I would rather keep him and find out what he can do than lose him. And I mean, there's a trend going on here in the city. We're losing a lot of players and they're doing well on other teams. Oh, I would rather keep Jack Flaherty, make no mistake about that, but what's the cost? Right. What's the price tag going to be? And that's why if you can avoid losing games this year, if you're the Cardinals, you make your best offer this spring. And then if he doesn't take it and make him a generous offer, make him the offer to be one of the highest paid pitchers on a five-year deal, Mm And if he doesn't take it, then hope that he has a great year and you can trade him after 2022 before he becomes a free agent after 2023. So I, I would absolutely try to move him after this season and try to get the Chris Sale deal that the Red Sox got. You know what they need to do is just win the World Series this year. Yeah, that'd be a good thing. You know, then his value <laughs> will be at an all-time high. Right. But w- when you go back and you look at what pitchers have been able to draw a, a pitcher of that capability yeah you go out and you move him if you don't think you can sign him but one more aspect to this the cardinals have always had that guy who they passed the baton to you know 
Carpenter to Wainwright. Yep. It's Wainwright to Flaherty. He understands. First of all, he's the ace. He's the guy that you want to have a ball, yep. the ball in a big moment. He's a difference maker. He understands and respects what the Cardinals mean to St. Louis and the heritage and the rich history of the franchise. He had Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter being his mentors for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that you pass the baton to. And if not him, who? Well, the economics of the game have changed. True, but the, but it, that that though, while not giving him a a really long deal as far as years yep. and money feels like that's something that the Cardinals would be wary of. It also feels unlike the Cardinals to not have that yeah. next pitcher there. We tend to forget that the last time we saw Dakota Hudson, he won 17 games. So maybe that's the guy. Maybe. And hopefully he would be less expensive. By the way, the Chris Sale trade with a year left on his deal from the White Sox to the Red Sox was for Yoan Mankata, everyday third baseman, mm-hmm. Michael Kopech, real solid pitcher out of their bullpen, and then uh, a couple of minor leaguers that really haven't turned into greatness. But I think it's four players. I think you're trying to get four minor league players in exchange for a guy like Flaherty if you can't sign him. And obviously my first choice is to make the big offer and hope that you you can work a deal with him. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And thanks for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line. All right. You're an owner. What are you looking for in the CBA? Yesterday, we talked about what players want. What do owners want from a new CBA in baseball? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The MLB lockout continues. We aren't hearing, and maybe they're meeting, but we we sure aren't hearing about it if they are meeting, trying to solve this lockout, which Michelle and I are hoping ends by, what, February 1st? How about tomorrow? That'd be good. Let's just get it over with. Rip the Band-Aid off. The sooner we can make plans for spring training, the better. This is what it comes down to. I'm concerned about two two to three things. Number one, I don't want you to miss any games, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. I don't want them to miss one game okay. of the season. And I don't want to miss one minute of spring training because I want these players, after a couple years of really weird scheduling, for them to be able to have a season where they have a full spring training to get ready. I don't want anyone to be at risk for injury. And most importantly, Randy, I don't want you and I to miss spring training. There you go. That's what that's what it all boils down to. We're finally going to spring training. Don't mess this up for us. Okay, we want you to weigh in. Put yourself in an owner's shoes okay. about what you want from this lockout you obviously locked the players out with the idea that you 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 didn't want to have a work stoppage and at least a regular season or a preseason spring training work stoppage so what do you want what's the biggest carrot for you that caused you to lock the players out so i'm an owner i'm in their shoes let me put on my ferragamo loafers very well done nice you know, yeah. they feel great. stylish buttery leather they feel amazing expensive if i'm the owners i don't want one thing to change i know that that is not dramatic 
but the owners absolutely crushed the players the last time. If I'm the owners, I'm good with the pay structure. I'm good with the current revenue sharing system. I'm good with the draft compensation and the the way that things are going because I'm making all of the money and I have most of the power here. So if I'm the owners, I'm looking at what is the one thing that we can give the least amount that we can give the players to satisfy them so that we can start spring training on time and I don't miss any money. I'm going to be Randy being an owner okay. rather than being one of their owners. Because don't you think the owners are just yeah. sitting pretty? They don't want anything to change. Here's the, the the two things that I'm looking at. Number one, I've already signed my deal with ESPN and TNT for expanded playoffs. They're going to pay for expanded playoffs if I have them, so I need to have that. But here's the other thing. And if I'm Steve Cohen, if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, if I am a Magic and the Guggenheim group that owns the Dodgers, if I'm Bill DeWitt, I'm pissed that we do have revenue sharing and the Pirates and the Marlins for years and now the Baltimore Orioles and the Guardians, they're putting my money that I work hard for because I have a big payroll into their pocket. They aren't spending any money on players. They're taking the revenue sharing money and putting it in their bank account. I, if I'm an owner, if I'm going to revenue share with one of those teams, I want that team to spend the money. I don't want him want that money just put in their pocket and them losing and taking advantage of my largesse. Okay, but that's owner on owner crime, not owner v, v player. But here. it has to be collectively bargained. True. And one of the things the players don't want is more revenue sharing. I don't know why that is, but I, I want a revenue share. And if I'm going to ma- maintain revenue sharing, which I'm going to have to do, I want those guys to have to spend the money that I give them. I don't know how I set up a salary floor that's collectively bargained or how much that money is, but I don't want those teams that are tanking to just put that money in their pocket. Spend it somewhere, whether it's in international pay or spending more on your system, but force those guys to spend that money that I'm giving them. And that makes the product better as a whole. Right. And it's really frustrating to me. I can't imagine how DeWitt feels about building a product here. He's got a top 10 payroll every single year in the number 22 market. And he's paying revenue sharing to a top 10 market like the Marlins? That's, or or the, the, the Rays? The Rays are a bigger market the, than St. Louis is. As far as I'm concerned, heck, the White Sox for a long time received revenue sharing money in the number three market and the Cardinals were paying in. It just doesn't make any sense. But if you're the owners, is there anything from the players specifically that you don't feel good about? Because I think the owners, they're looking at the way things are currently constructed and they feel great about it. You're right. The only thing that I want is to make more money through my expanded playoffs. And so that's the only thing that I want from the players. And I don't know what the players can give me that they have. The only thing the players can really take away now as we do bargain is playing games, taking away the product. So I might be willing, if I'm an owner, to tweak arbitration and free agency, but I'm not going to go overboard in doing that because I like having the control that I have. I know that the Players Association has been talking about the fact that they have a war chest, that they've been preparing for this moment, and that they're prepared to miss games if need be. But that seems to be a very dangerous line to walk mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the owners are always going to be able to last longer. If this, if it comes to this, if it's a standoff, the owners are always going to be able to win that battle. 
So mm-hmm. that's why if we're looking at this from the owners, if I'm in their Ferragamo loafers, I'm sitting, I'm chilling. I'm on my private jet. I'm going on vacation. I'm saying, okay, if this is the game that you want to play, players, fine. Yep. And Peter Gammons had the stat a couple of weeks ago. You've got, what, almost 800 players in Major League Baseball. 33 of those players account for 51% of the money that's being made by players. So uh, those players that aren't among those 33, those should be the ones that are outraged about what's happening right now and should want the biggest change. Unfortunately for them, they don't really have the big, biggest voice because it's guys like Max Scherzer and the highest paid Boris clients that are on the executive committee. Well, and unfortunately for them, they would have to appeal to the compassion and the rationale of these owners. And these owners are looking at it and they're saying, well, why should I shift what's happening now so that you make more money? This is about my business. Yeah, ultimately, that's what it comes down to is it's, and that's what the owners will say, right? This yeah. is my business. This is about our business. Yeah, we're the owners. A couple of texts from the 573. If an owner tanks, that team should not share in the playoff revenue. The problem is you really don't know if a team tanks. Like the worst team in baseball last year was Arizona. And at the beginning of the year, they were trying. They just had a horrible year. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to set a standard for what their payroll should be to determine what tanking really is. Can you imagine being an owner and knowing that the plan is to tank? Yeah, that's being another owner yes, or, or the yeah. owner of a team. Yeah, no, being the owner of a team. Yeah. And and the, yeah. the plan for the season is that you're yeah, going to tank. We're going to be bad. That has to be awful. Yeah. Can you imagine going to work every day knowing that you're there's no hope? Yeah. That'd be bad. Really bad. Uh, 314, revenue sharing is socialism. It doesn't work. Tell the Green Bay Packers that revenue sharing doesn't work. Tell the Kansas City Chiefs that revenue sharing doesn't work. Tell the Baltimore Ravens that revenue sharing doesn't work. By the way, on the other end of the spectrum, tell the New York Jets and New York Giants that revenue sharing doesn't work, okay? <laughs> yeah. It might be socialism, but you, what you're looking for in a sport, because the Giants and Jets have to play somebody, and they want those games to be competitive to draw fans, you telling me that that doesn't work, that the revenue sharing in the NFL, which is 100% of their national TV money, which is the vast majority of the money that they make, you telling me that the Kansas City Royals have as good a chance as the Kansas City Chiefs do to win a championship in their sport? No, that's a great point. Or that the Milwaukee Brewers have as good a chance as the Green Bay Packers? Or that the Baltimore Orioles have as good a chance as the Baltimore Ravens? No. Yeah. The revenue sharing works. Yeah, there's such a difference in parity in those leagues. Yeah, it's it's remarkable what the NFL has done, and it's remarkable also that Jerry Jones wants to ruin it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis, where you'll find incredible value on the ultimate driving machine. It's time for You're Killing Me, Smalls. You're killing me, so great rivalry, Randy Packers and Bears this past Sunday. We didn't get to this yesterday, so I wanted to bring it up. In the first quarter of the game, our buddy Robert Quinn, former St. Louis Rams, got after A.A. Ron. 
Second down and four. Rodgers under pressure, and down he goes. So the secondary did its work. He was looking, couldn't find anybody, and Robert Quinn, who comes into the game with a dozen sacks, gets there to knock him down. He then celebrates Randy by mocking Aaron Rodgers' championship belt, mm-hmm. the discount, the discount double check belt, and that has gotten a lot of talk online going because obviously Aaron Rodgers goes on to again own the Packers. The Packers beat the Bears forty-five to thirty, but. I know you're excited in that moment to get the best of him. I know you're excited to get the sack, but do you really need to mock the discount double check? Are you really going to enrage him that much more? Probably knowing you might lose the game. And that had to be premeditated, right? You just don't sack him and then say, oh, I think I'll do discount double check. I have to believe that Quinn had it in his mind that if if he sacked Rodgers, he was going to do that. And yes, it did obviously elicit a reaction, but maybe he was thinking, hey, we're the Bears and we're at Green Bay. We aren't going to win this game anyway, so I might as well do something on national TV. It looked really good. Yeah, it did. When he did it, it looked great. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers was asked about it after the game, and he said, quote, it hasn't ended well for the most part. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. <laughs> and he's right. He's 100% right. People can yeah. mock him, but yeah. it doesn't really end well for them. And how about Robert Quinn? Man, he's hit, even in an older age in the NFL, drafted in the first round in 2011. And he's been around the block, but he's still one of the elite pass rushers in the league. We love you, Robert. Just don't mock the belt. No. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, Aaron Rodgers, his, that toe is still bothering him, and we know that he made headlines when he propped his foot up on the press conference desk to show reporters that he did not, in fact, have a COVID toe. And the Get Up crew was talking about this, and Mike Greenberg was there, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky, and Rex Ryan, and they were asked about the toe and how this could perhaps hinder Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' performance moving forward. And Rex Ryan just wins the day with this one setback is a a frightening term for a team that is looking as good as this is looking rex what do you think listen i'm a toe expert um (laughs) let's just say this ain't nothing wrong with aaron Rodgers. he threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns come on stop stop it already are you so you're suggesting you're not concerned no i'm not concerned he wants out of practice that's all that i'm not working bro bro i'm not working bro i cannot put my best foot forward with Rex acting like this, bro. So Ryan Clark got up and left the set and came back. But don't you just love that Rex Ryan can make fun of himself? It's fantastic. The self-deprecating nature and the NFL needs more fun from guys like Rex Ryan. It's a shame that he's not coaching anymore because he was good for the league. He really was. But I just love that he can take something that was potentially scandalous or something Mm -hmm. that people could use against him and instead he makes it a a part of his joking about himself. I just thought that was so funny. (laughs) And how about Ryan Clark putting his best foot forward? Well (laughs) done. That was very nice. Well done. You're killing me, Small. So, Randy, this is exciting but also dangerous, but the Super Bowl is heading to Las Vegas. So, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, home of the Raiders, is expected to host the Super Bowl in 2024. That's according to ESPN. And it was originally going to be in New Orleans, but there was a scheduling conflict. It's Mardi Gras that was (laughs) happening. And so now New Orleans is going to host the Super Bowl in 2025. The Super Bowl in Vegas will be epic. And I have to believe the tickets... Probably going to average, what, $10,000 a piece? It's going to be epic, but it's going to be dangerous. It Some is. people are going to get in big trouble well, that weekend. And if a coach gives a team a night out on the strip, Oof. 
there they might not have arrests, but there's going to be some issues in Vegas. You could say that about LA where the Super Bowl is going to be this this upcoming or this current season. Mm-hmm. You could certainly say that about New Orleans. Guys could get in trouble on Bourbon Street, but there's something about Vegas where people just take what sh- take it past a 10. I don't know. Yeah, they, it just feels like a disa- like disaster is looming there. LA, New Orleans, certainly trouble could be on the horizon. But they don't have escorts on the sidewalk giving out their trading cards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It could be an issue in Vegas. And granted, it'll be fun for a 26-year-old backup defensive lineman. It'll be a lot of fun, but maybe too much fun. But that's one of the things that the NFL knows about. That's one of the things they asked for when they went to Vegas is they want it to be a party. And boy, is it going to be a party. I'm not even necessarily concerned about the teams that are playing. I'm concerned about all the analysts and everyone that's flying in for the weekend. Right. Yeah, they're going to have somebody's getting arrested. a fantastic time. No, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Nobody will get arrested. Unless you get arrested. Well, how can you get arrested in Las Vegas? You have to murder somebody. Oh, no, no, no. You could get arrested in Vegas. Not for drinking or prostitution or anything like that. Somebody's going to miss a show because they're up on top of a roof with a mattress like The Hangover. No, that stays in Vegas. I'm saying, though, someone's going to get lost. They're going to go out, have a weird night, forget what happened, lose their phone, and then all of a sudden they're not on set for Super Bowl Sunday. And they wake up on top of the Caesars Some, roof. Somebody will show up on set, you're right, with like a taser mark on their face. <laughs> Somebody's going to show up with a black eye and not know how they got it. Okay, give me, uh, who's who's it going to be? Oh, man, it could be anybody. anybody That's the from, problem with Vegas. Vegas takes over your brain. Oh, like, it's not going to be Kurt on NFL No, Network. it will not be Kurt. It will not be Kurt. Who do we think, well... Who likes to have a good time? Michael Irvin was part of the White House down in Dallas. Yeah. But everybody loves to have a good time in Vegas. Probably a pretty good thing that Warren Sapp isn't doing TV anymore. (laughs) I'm just saying. I mean, he found two hookers in Arizona. What would he find in Vegas? (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, here we uh, go with The Fight, another edition of The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's 8.33 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's fight on a Tuesday. Chris is with us. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight this morning? Absolutely. He's on what, Andrew? A two-game win streak? Two, yeah. Or a two-fight win streak, I would say. I guess it's not really a win streak. I think three's a streak. Okay, so he's got two in a row. Chris, are you ready to uh, take we'll him down? We can put an end to that. There you go. I have confidence in you. All right, Chris, here we go. Question number one. After having a road record of 8-0 and in 2001, the Rams had a dismal 1-7 road record in 2002. Who was the only team that the Rams beat on the road that season? Was it Chicago, Seattle, or Arizona? 2002. Um, Seattle. 
All right, question number two. What baseball team won the World Series three times in the 1970s? Was it the Oakland A's, the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the New York Yankees? Uh, what was option two? Option two was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, let's go with A. A as in the Oakland A's? Yes. All right, cool. Question number three for Chris. Ooh, let me get my paper here. What player was the first in the NHL to score a full-strength power play, shorthanded penalty shot, and open net goal in the same game? I'm going to read that one more time. What player was the first in the NHL to score a full-strength power play, shorthanded penalty shot, and open net goal in the same game? Is it Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, or Mark Messier? Oh, my goodness. It's a lot. <laughs> um, let's go with Lemieux. All right, Chris, question number four. Ben Bishop has called it a career. Which NHL team did Bishop play for after his tenure with the Blues? Was it the Lightning, the Senators, or the Kings immediately after his tenure with the Blues? Um, Ottawa. Okay. Chris, strong performance this morning, waving in Randy. Confidence check, Chris, though. How are you feeling? Nah, as most says, not great. Well, you should feel pretty good. Can't tell you how you did, but you should feel pretty good. Randy should be scared. That's all I'll say. Good, Randy, as you're putting your headset in, say good morning to Chris. Chris, good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And I'm shaking. My hands are shaking. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Randy. Chris, tough opponent. Are you ready? I am ready. Question number one. After having a road record of 8-0 in 2001, the Rams had a dismal 1-7 road record in 2002. Ouch. Who was the only team that the Rams beat on the road that season? 2002 Rams who went 7-9. and nine. Wow, I didn't realize it was uh, that bad on the road. Uh, let's see. Seems like, uh, let's see, this is, I'll, I'll do the lifeline just so I can break it down here. Chicago, Seattle, Arizona. I was thinking Arizona. I don't think it was Seattle because they were good. Uh, and they actually played the Bears on the road the next year. Because that was the game where Martz offered Kurt the opportunity to play, and Kurt said no. He said, no, let Mark Bulger play. Uh, so I'm going to go with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. All right, question number two, Randy. What baseball team won the World Series three times in the 1970s? Three times in the 1970s. That would have been so hard to do. So you have... Let's see. It wasn't the Orioles. Well, it was the A's. It was the Oakland A's who won three in a row, right? 72, 73, 74. Question number three, Randy. What player was the first in the NHL to score a full-strength power play, shorthanded, penalty shot, and open net goal in the same game? Mario Lemieux. All right, Randy, last question. Ben Bishop. He's called it a career. Which NHL team did Bishop play for immediately after his tenure with the Blues? 
the Ottawa Senators. He uh, was traded for a second-round draft choice to Ottawa. Chris was a great opponent. He did very well in the fight, but did he do well enough to take down Randy? Andrew, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. Chris, you got three correct. You did awesome. But Randy got four. He got four. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I always like to get a dad gummit in there. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Chris, great job. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you all. Have a great day. You too. I thought Chris had you. He got three right. He did great. He was awesome. He was awesome. So the only team to beat the Rams on the road in 2002, or excuse me, that the Rams beat on the road in 2002 was Arizona. The baseball team that won the World Series three times in the 1970s was, in fact, the Oakland A's, 72 through 74, as Randy mentioned. Mario Lemieux, first player in the NHL to score a full-strength power play, shorthanded penalty shot, and open net goal in the same game. That was an 8-6 to six victory versus the Devils that Unbelievable. game. Unbelievable. And immediately after his tenure with the Blues, Ben Bishop, who has, in fact, called it a career, went to the Ottawa Senators. Good job, Randy. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate it. I would have played Jack Buck, but the text line has been keeping me honest, and Randy did use the lifeline, so we got to make sure, and I needed to address that for everyone. Let's play something, then. I walked right into that one. We, did, we both did. It's fine. So, hey, we want you to know, <laughs> and we want to thank you for participating in our 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. We raised a total of $8,081 with the 12 Days All of right. T-Shirts fundraiser. Thanks to you. You guys were awesome. And we also want to thank our uh Partners in this, Tracy Bibb from uh, Allstate, also American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, and McBride. Now, here's what $8,081 provides. 32,324 meals. That'll feed 8,081 people for an entire day. A dollar is worth $10 at Operation Food Search through the relationships we have with our partners. And your support is going to help thousands of families with food insecurity during the holiday season and early on into 2022. That is amazing. We always say we have the BLIS, the best Mm -hmm. listeners in sports, but this is a real example of that, of the generosity of not only our listeners, but just the people of St. Louis. So thank you so much to everyone who donated. We really do appreciate it, and we appreciate your partnership in listening to us every single day. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, we're going to talk to our friend from ClabesOnline.com, the one and only Mike Claiborne, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle, a lot of times when people stay in this industry for a while, they lose their passion for sports and competition. I can't imagine that that'll ever happen with me. I'm always going to like going to games, and I know that our friend Mike Claiborne is going to be the same way. He's never going to tire of competition. And that's why Mike finds himself in Indianapolis this morning, a great town, and he got a chance to see one of the all-time greats last night. Good morning, Mr. Claiborne on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Uh, good to hear from you in Indy. How's it going? Everything is a-okay. I have no complaints. And uh, I would just say that the city of Indianapolis is a very interesting city uh, from a sports standpoint and just the, the downtown. We want to be Indianapolis when we grow up in St. Louis. 
period. You got that right. Now, I, I want to tell a quick story. Back in 1998, my son was four years old, and I said, hey, this Yankee team is one of the best teams that we're ever going to see. So I drove him across the state to Kansas City to see that Yankee team. And you're in Indianapolis. The Warriors were in Indianapolis last night. I'm presuming that that's why you're there. It wasn't to see the Pacers. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, it, it, it's funny because uh, the Pacers are doing, they're averaging like maybe anywhere between eight and 10,000 people a night. Last night, you could not, you know, standing room only. Tickets online were insane uh, because of the Golden State Warriors and, and what, and, you know, Steph Curry and the fact they have the best record or one of the best records in the NBA. Uh, it was a very festive atmosphere because of the fact they only go in there one time a year. And, I mean, when, when they hit the floor, you would have thought it was a home game for the Warriors. Wow. I was going to ask that, Mike, because I went to a Cleveland game when LeBron was playing for the Cavaliers in Phoenix, and maybe 50% of the people there were wearing LeBron jerseys. I was going to ask if yeah. they were all wearing Curry jerseys last night. Again, you, you had more – they, they had more um, warrior paraphernalia on than, you know, the home team. And, and, you know, if you're the home team, you say, wait a minute, this is our house. You would not have known that last night, by the way, warrior fans. And, you know, let's face it, we're all fickle. We have our teams that when they're hot, all of a sudden we're a Bulls fan. All of a sudden we're a Cowboy fan. All of a sudden, you know, you name the team that's winning, then that we're that fan with the exception of Patriots. I don't think we'll ever be Patriots fans. <laughs> but bottom line is, last night, uh, and this is what makes great teams great, is the following that they have. And yeah, you're right. I, I bet half the building was rooting for the Warriors, not for well, Claves, we always love to bring you in on our conversation of the day. And Randy and I had an interesting chat earlier about Jack Flaherty and his future with the Cardinals. If you're the Cardinals and you're going to approach him about an extension before his contract expires in 2023, what would be the terms that you would be looking for? Boy, that's a great question. You know, I'm not an advocate of the long-term deals, 10-year deals. Um, you know, I think if you're a young guy, why not take a shorter-term deal for a lot of money and then get out of line and do it over again? I mean, that that's the way I would look at it. But, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, some people want security, they want the money, and I get that. But, I mean, if you're, if you're young and you're really good, you know, stack it. Stack it down and then get back in line again and do it again if you're, if you're a really good player. Now, you run the risk of injury, obviously, but... You know, I, I think that in that situation, short might be better because you, you, you have a chance to set the market standard again. And obviously, claims that's more palatable for the Cardinals, too. I mean, if you're in their shoes, if you're wearing Moe's bow tie, what are the terms you're looking for? Maybe five years? Oh, I don't know. I, I think something, yeah, something in that vicinity. Because, you know, whenever you do, like, multiple-year deals, I think you have to take into account that player is going to have a good season, then they're going to have a bad season, then you're going to have a season in between. So, you know, you, you figure if you do five, if you get three very good years, one bad year, and one that's so-so, I think, I think you walk away with that. 
claims I look from afar and read Jack Flaherty's quotes, and I get the sense that he is highly money motivated. Not that everybody isn't. We, we all are. But he is really motivated to set a standard financially, at least in my view, in baseball. You have a great relationship with Jack. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to win. I'm just saying he's highly motivated by money. Am I on base there? Well, it's a good question that I don't have a definitive answer for. I think that every player wants to be compensated fairly. Uh, but I think that they also, I think in this day and age with the money that players make, they also want to have a chance to win and be in a winning situation. And, and you know, I, I think this is a good one in St. Louis. You know, you can, you can sign. How many times have we seen people sign for more money and they go to a place never to be heard from again? Uh, so, you know, I, I think in his case, I think you want to win. And you like to win in a, in a situation that you, you're comfortable with. So I think this one is as good as any offer he's going to get unless, you know, some team all of a sudden puts together a super team. And that, that doesn't necessarily guarantee, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to be a, a champion. So, you know, in, in Jack's case, and again, I can't speak for him on that front, but I, I think he's like a lot of other guys. They just want to win. And, and when you do, the money follows for sure. And Clips, the Cardinals, part of their identity for a while has been that they have that horse, that ace, that not only they want to give the ball to in the big moments, but that understands what it means to be a St. Louis Cardinal. Chris Carpenter passes the baton to Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright passes the baton to Jack Flaherty. But if he does, in fact, leave after 2023, who's the guy that you look at in the club or in the system right now that could be that next guy up? I don't know who that guy is right now. I, I think between now and the end of next year, a lot of things can, can take place. Um, you know, you look at the roster, you say, well, I'm not sure. I would, I would be sure if there's that, that ace, but maybe it's Dakota Hudson. Maybe it's a guy that we haven't seen pitch yet. And I, I, that's why I think we just have to kind of wait and see what's out there. One of the great things about the Cardinals is that they have invested a lot in the pitching when it comes to draft choices over the years. And I think that's what makes them competitive is the fact that they've always been able to draft good pitching, whether it's the starters, relievers, and I think they'll continue to do that because, you know, let's face it, pitching is, is the key to success in baseball. You can go out and have all the home run hitters you want, but if you don't have pitching, you have no chance. And I, I think we'll have to sit back and wait on that and figure out Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN and Claibs tomorrow is National Letter of Intent Day for college football. Luther Burden Jr. is headed to Mizzou. He will sign when he puts his name on the dotted line. What sort of an impact do you think that can have on the Mizzou football program? Well, it should have a, a legitimate impact. But here's the other thing that I've kind of touted. Unless we get autographs of some very good linemen tomorrow, Luther Burden could be out of here in a year or two. You know, this, this team, Missouri, gets beat up up front. I mean, they've had some decent receivers. Tyler Bate, uh, Beatty, the running back, had a tremendous season. But if you don't have linemen to really define who you are, it doesn't make a difference who else you get. And if you don't think so, look at Alabama. Look at how many linemen that they have go in the first round every year. 
Now, the, the receivers and backs we all are enamored with, but if you don't have some horses up front, it, it doesn't make a difference. And, it doesn't make a difference at all. And, Mike, with the transfer portal such as it is, we see a guy like Jamison Williams go from Ohio State to Alabama. So if, if a player doesn't think he's going to have a chance to win a championship, and clearly Jamison Williams didn't think he could be a key part of a championship team in Ohio State, if Burden feels that way, he's got an easy out now with college football's transfer portal. Well, well Randy, I agree with you, and, and I've said this all along. Missouri has two years to get this figured out. Because by year three, if, if Burton III lives up to the expectations, he'll be the next Jamison Williams. He'll go to somewhere that, to where a program has a chance to win a national championship, and he'll be the final piece to that puzzle to some program, whether it's Alabama or Ohio State or somebody else who's been able to prove that they can compete on the highest level. I think you're going to see a lot of good blue-chip players give that school that maybe isn't on that map two years to get it done. They'll go there in their third year. In the fourth year, they'll be in the NFL. Hey, we want people to head on over to Klabe's Online. Just go to YouTube and search Klabe's Online, and there's a lot of great material up there for people. We have a lot of fun with it. We talk hockey. We're going to have a huddle up with Howard Richards, former first-round pick, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Missouri broadcaster, and and a lot of other things. (laughs) Uh, But we have him every week. Alex Ferrario. We have what we call the two-man game with uh, Bob Ramsey and uh, Matt Rocchio, and they just talk strict basketball. I mean, hardcore basketball. So we have a lot of fun things on the site every day, and uh, we invite people to just come over and check us out. I'm sure we'll have something for them. Doesn't get any better than that. Clabe's always good to hear your voice. Thank you very much. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to you guys. Have a great week. Thank you, brother. That is Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Interesting notes there about Jack Flaherty because I I have to believe, Michelle, that the Dodgers are going to be interested. If he gets to free agency or if he's a year away from free agency, he grew up a Dodger fan. They have all the money in the world. They have a great system. I have to believe that he's going to know that they're interested in him, if they are. I was going to say I bet there's a lot of mutual interest there. Yeah. It just makes sense on their part, especially with – Losing uh, Trevor Bauer, he's not mm-hmm. going to pitch for them anymore. David Price will be gone. Kershaw may be gone. Scherzer's gone. So they're going to have to rebuild at some point around the two big starters that they have left in Walker Bueller and uh, the the little left-hander, Urias. Uh, so I'll be interested to see in two years what sort of rumblings we get about the possibility of the Dodgers being interested in Jack Flaherty. And doesn't that make you nauseous to think about the Cardinals in a postseason situation having to go against Jack Flaherty? Yes, it bothers me. Yeah, that bothers me too. Coming up next, we're going to talk today's big thing, and that is the disaster index. We've got our own here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Gather Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money. Our friends at The Athletic have a disaster scale for NFL teams. And, Michelle, it's interesting to look at the top four. Like, right now, the Texans... 
The Texans, as bad as things are, and still with the Deshaun Watson situation, the Texans are only number four on the athletics disaster scale. Do you think that's a little bit of recency bias, though? Because if you're looking at actually everything involved with these organizations, the Texans might be number one. I know that they Mm -hmm. have a a new head coach, but just think about it. Months ago, we were talking about the Deshaun Watson stuff. Prior to us learning about Deshaun Watson and the lawsuits, there was all of that stuff about Jack Easterby and how tenuous everything was inside the building. And so even though we haven't heard a lot about what's going on in Houston. I mean, they're still sitting there at 2-11, and 11, which is a terrible season for them. I bet there's still a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes. If you go from January 1, 2021, until today, I believe you're correct there. Yeah. The, the, the Texans would be number one. But nonetheless, in the Athletic Disaster Index, they're listed as number four. Number three... And it's referred to as the Meadowlands Malcontent Mafia. (laughs) The Giants and Jets are disasters in their own way, each without a clear option at quarterback. More embarrassing for the Jets, who drafted Zach Wilson at number two this year, or a path forward. The teams lost their games by a combined 67 to 30 score on Sunday and hold a 7 and 19 record. And by the way, both teams will have picks in the top, two picks each in the top six in the draft. Yeah, the Giants are sitting right now at four and nine. The Jets at three and ten. The Jets, as you mentioned, take Zach Wilson, number two overall in the 2021 draft. Daniel Jones, first round, sixth overall pick in 2019. Both of those guys look like they're not going to be the guy for either no. franchise. And what wasted opportunities? You think about top six draft choices, Jones number six, Wilson number two. And the players that were drafted around them, not just quarterbacks, both teams appear to have made disastrous mistakes. Thus, their place on the disaster index. Number two right now, again, recency bias, is Matt Rule's desperation den. Carolina started the season with Sam Darnold at quarterback and Joe Brady, offensive coordinator. Darnold is out with an injury. Cam Newton is back. And Brady has been fired. And Matt Rule might not be far behind. True. And even though they obviously are desperate, as the headline suggests, they're sitting there at five and eight in the bottom of the NFC South and certainly have questions at quarterback. Christian McCaffrey's been injured and that has a lot to do with their success. And I don't know. I look at what's happening in Carolina. And even though it's a bleak situation, I would rather be the Panthers than I would the Texans, the Giants or the Jets. Yeah, it seems like at least with Carolina, You've got some things that you can build on a little bit. It is so bleak with the Texans. They just don't have good players. And the Giants and Jets, boy, I know people talk about the Jets' defensive line, but when you look at the number of good players that those teams have, it's just hard to lean on anything. At least if you're in Carolina, you can say, okay, well, we're going to get Christian McCaffrey back at some point. I don't know if he'll ever be healthy again, but that's what you're saying if Mm -hmm. you're a Panther fan. Yeah, that's what you're hoping for, for sure. But with the Texans... I mean, imagine having yet another offseason with this Deshaun Watson thing looming over you. Right. It went from he doesn't want to be here, are we going to trade him, to now he's facing all of these lawsuits and very serious allegations. And we don't have necessarily a trade partner for him or a dance partner. We don't know what to do with him. And we could not only not have a franchise quarterback for the future, but have a lot of money that we've invested in this person that's all of a sudden dead. That's a really bad situation. Those are your... Second, third, and fourth. So number one, Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. 
Stephen Could it be a, anything else? Stephen A. Smith on the plight of the Jags and Urban. Urban Meyer has to go. This has to be his only season in Jacksonville. And I say this, and I hope that Urban Meyer is watching. I'm casting no aspersions on you whatsoever. This has nothing to do with the veracity of the report or lack thereof. Urban Meyer, what this has to do with, let's say for the sake of argument that Urban Meyer playmaker is absolutely right. It is a complete lie. It is a complete fabrication. There's no truth to it whatsoever. Do you know what that means, Urban? That means internally there's a cadre of individuals who so desperately want you gone that they're willing to disseminate those lies. Mm. And this is the National Football League. See what I'm saying? When it gets to that mm. point in the National Football League for a head coach, you're not the guy for that job. Because that means there's a whole bunch of people who want you gone. Think about that. Think about how easy it is to disprove a lie like that. He had a meeting. He called out assistant coaches and all of this. There's 53 dudes on a roster. There's practice squad players. How many coaches are there, Michael Irvin? They're all there. So anybody that lied about something like that, it's very, very, very easy to disprove. So why would they go there? Somebody. You know why they they would go there? Either they're telling the truth or so many people want you going so desperately that they're willing to contribute to disseminating the lie. And when something like that happens... On an NFL level, to a first-year NFL coach, although he's a superstar as a college coach, mm. what that says is they're saying you ain't for this culture. This is different. You don't need to be here. We don't want you here. We missed embarrassment. We, th- we were betting on embarrassment yeah, in that cut. We had a side bet on this because we hadn't heard that sound that the word embarrassment was going to yeah. be in there. Because it is an embarrassment. What's happening in Jacksonville, if you're Shad Khan, are you not embarrassed? You have to be. And if it's not like these assistant coaches are going to make this up and then go to Tom Pelissero and go to the ESPN insiders and say uh, that this happened if it didn't happen. This stuff, it happened. And that's why the story is out there. And, and to, it's multiple sources. And to Stephen A's point, they want you out that badly that they're willing to air you out to, to yeah. NFL insiders to get the story public because they want you gone. But if you're Shad Khan, this is someone that you coveted. You have your future and your franchise and Trevor Lawrence and you go out and you get this big name person who's going how many if you, if you have a franchise quarterback Randy that's the face of the franchise right like that is the person that's on the billboard that's the person we talk about all the time yeah Urban Meyer although he is a star in his own right although he's a controversial figure in his own right should not be the star of the franchise Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. should be the face of the franchise and the fact that Urban Meyer is trying to run this as if he's the one that's the most important figure in all of this and that nothing in this is his fault and that he cannot take the team playing and not have to deal with any consequences is troubling because you as a head coach should be doing everything you can to help the development of what is going to be your meal ticket for your future and instead it seems like he's more controlled concerned about being on a power trip many coaches in college football have a chief of staff that kind of brings information to the head coach and Meyer actually hired a chief of staff with the Jaguars who has since quit by the way and if I'm Shad Khan I, I don't think he's playing this stupidly because Meyer apparently is making between 10 and 12 million bucks a year for six years wouldn't you want to make it so that he resigns Rather than firing him and having to pay off that contract, if you're shod, the, let the assistant coaches, let the players make his life so miserable that he won't want to be there and he'll quit. 
Well, it seems like it might be trending that way when yeah. you have players who are clearly at odds with him. That was in the Tom Pelissero report, too. The, the assistant coaches and everyone else on his staff are obviously not enthralled with him right. right now. But the thing about Urban that I find to be very interesting is, Randy, if you did something to upset your coworkers, wouldn't you for a while or at least the remainder of a season, be really trying to be on your best behavior or to make it yeah. up to them. This is someone that did not take the team plane, plane home and then embarrassed himself, his family, and everyone that represents the Jaguars organization by being busted at a bar with someone that wasn't his wife. He had to explain himself, etc. Don't you think that after putting that or- the organization in that situation, that you would be a little bit more on better behavior for the rest of the season. And it said, what is he doing? He's calling out his assistant coaches and calling them losers. If I'm on his staff, I'm like, forget this yeah, guy. I'm with you. It's, it's a bad situation in Jacksonville. There's your NFL disaster index on 101 ESPN. Next up, the wizard. Ozzy Smith has a big announcement, and he'll have it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Porter throws his mask into the air. The players converge around the mound. The police arrive on the scene. The Cardinals have won the game. Six to three. The Cardinals have won the National League pennant. And the Cardinals have won the 1982 World Series. That's a fond memory for one Ozzie Smith who joins Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker right now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Ozzie, good morning. It's always great to have you with us. Happy holidays. How are you doing? All right. Same to you, Randy. You guys doing okay? Everything's going great here. And uh, that that happened 40 years ago. It's, it's remarkable. 40 and you, years. And you have a big announcement for us. What's going on? Well, uh, 40 years. And I, where's the time going, Randy? <laughs> it's, go, uh, it's gone fast, uh, you know, hasn't when it? I, <laughs> yeah. When I listened to that uh, uh, that uh, call by Jack there, you know, the great Jack Buck on the mic there. And I, I if I remember correctly, I think that was his only World Series call world championship call uh for here for us here in in st louis but uh on the 17th of february at 7 p.m at ballpark village um i'm gathering the infield from that 1982 world championship team awesome that's tom tommy her keith hernandez ken O'Hell, oberfell and myself um and we'll have special guest whitey herzog of course and then uh Joe Buck is going to host it for us. So it should be a fun evening for, for people that want to reminisce about the good old days. And I'm sure there will be some new stories told that haven't been told at this point. But uh, this being the 40th year or 40th anniversary of that world championship, uh, this will be a great way to jump off the uh, baseball season. And, Oz, how can people get tickets for the event on February 17th? They can go to ozzyandfriends.com. Uh, for tickets, uh, the tickets are $100 per person, and uh, I'm sure that they'll probably be going fast. So get your tickets and come in and, and enjoy a, a, a wonderful evening of baseball memories. Ozzy, I think it's so interesting that you said that there's probably going to be stories told then that haven't been told before because you would think after 40 years that you guys have examined this championship from every single angle. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes when, you, when you're when going through it, though, uh, 
and you're reminiscing uh, with just three or four guys, there are things that we all think about that uh, that we haven't talked about uh, that what allowed us to get to the point that we did and and stuff. And I'm sure that anybody that's ever been around Whitey Herzog, he'll, re- he'll remember what the weather was uh, on that day. <laughs> Ozzie, as the Cardinals went through that 17-game winning streak uh, this past fall, it reminded me of that 12-game winning streak that you guys had in April of 1982. And that really told me, and you guys, the, the Cardinals have been good in 81, but then the, the addition of you and Lonnie really made it, a, a special team. Did did you guys start believing before then, or did the twelve game winning streak do something for you? When did you believe? Okay, we can win a world championship. Well, I think we knew that right right off. You know, because as you mentioned, uh, they had won in eighty one, and and at the beginning of the season over here, we got off to a decent start. You know, so right away, I, I knew that the chemistry was good on this team, and we had a chance to go a long way. And you never know whether or not you have enough to go and go to the World Series and, and win the World Series. Uh, but you knew that you were going to be competitive. And we've been fortunate enough here, or I've been fortunate enough, to play on teams that have always been competitive. And, and I felt that uh, that 82 team was was very unique because we had a great mixture of, of uh, youth and, and older, uh, experienced guys. So, and here again, Whitey gives the credit for that, for putting a team together like that with the right chemistry and the right people, and it all fell into place. Randy mentioned the winning streak that we saw with the 2021 Cardinals, and you guys also had something else in common, and that's an elite defense. This Cardinals team, the first ever to win five gold gloves in a single mm-hmm. season. So, Ozzy, when you look at this 2021 Cardinals defense, how does it stack up to your team of 82? Well, I, I mean, here again, I think it's always been the core of what, what has made the organization the great organization that it is and i think that when you when you build a team you have to build from uh inside out and and you got to be strong there in the middle and i think that uh, the organization continues to live by that creed and uh when you do that uh you're able to put guys in there and uh, guys where you that afford you the opportunity to win five gold gloves you know so um that really hasn't changed. I think that's always been a staple of this organization, and it continues uh, right up until now. Ozzie Smith is putting together the 1982 championship infield February 17th at Ballpark Village. Get tickets now at ozzieandfriends.com. They're 100 bucks. Joe Buck is going to be the MC. Whitey Herzog will be there as well. Obergfell, Smith, Her, and Hernandez. And Ozzie, uh, to me, when you start with the greatest defensive shortstop of all time and the greatest defensive first baseman of all time, you kind of have a head start on being the best defensive infield of all time. <laughs> it was... Uh... It was pretty good. It was fun being able to, you know, have your back to the infield and throw a ball to first base and know that uh, it was going to be in good hands over there, you know. So Keith was was very special over there at first base, and uh, he saved myself and the rest of the infield a, a lot of throwing errors. You know, the other thing about that team, and I was fortunate enough, and people know this, I, I was an usher right there next to the Cardinal dugout, so I got to hear a lot. And... One of the reasons that that team didn't make mistakes, obviously Whitey drilled in fundamentals, but that's a really smart group too and a really accomplished post-baseball group on that infield. Yeah, they were. And, and, and you know, it's been said many times that, um, you know, uh, we were able to, Whitey was able to send a team of guys who 
coach themselves, you know, and, and basically he just let us go out and play. And we, we kind of ran the thing. We, we were able to put on our own hit and runs and, and stuff. So it's nice to be able to play with a group of guys that have a high baseball IQ, which is a hard thing to do. And uh, Whitey was able to do that in, in several, several instances. Ozzy, whenever you go through something like that with a group of people, you're connected forever. So what's it like for you when you get to assemble this group again and get together and sit back and look back on something that only you guys know what it was like on the inside? Well, you know, sometimes, um, Michelle, when you um, you don't really appreciate it as much when you're going through it because, you know, you're going through the grind every day. But, you know, uh, here now, 40 years later, you're able to look at it and realize just how special it was. And, um, I, and not that I, I never appreciated it because I knew that I was playing with a group of guys who were very, very talented and was going to give me the best opportunity to win. Um, so, you know, here again, it's just it, it, it's just being able to now look at it and, and, and really appreciate it even more. Do you think Tommy Herr is historically, not here in St. Louis, but nationally, underrated because he was kind of overshadowed by Ryan Sandberg? Yeah, I, I think so. Tommy was one of those guys. And, you know, as, as you said, Randy, you know, we can make a lot of mistakes. And that was one of the things that Whitey preached. You know, let's don't beat ourselves. And as long as you don't beat yourself, you always have a chance. And we certainly gave ourselves a, a, a chance. Uh, we knew that you know, in the World Series going against the Harvey's Wallbangers and Milwaukee Brewers, which is going to be a tough task. But I think it was because we were so fundamentally sound and our pitching certainly came through for us. And you have to have that if you're going to, if you're going to win the World Series. And we pitched and we played good defense, and that's where it all starts. Now, this great night of getting Ozzy's friends back together at Ballpark Village on February 17th is going to benefit something that Ozzy has really launched himself into over the years. It's the PGA Reach Gateway Foundation. And Ozzy, you've done such magnificent work in helping fund PGA Reach. If you could give us a capsule of what PGA Reach accomplishes. Well, you know, uh, there, we have three pillars, um, one being... Um, of course, the youth here in, in the area, uh, total inclusion. And one of the things that has really, really come together for us is the military, the veterans here in, in our area. You know, I'm, I'm really proud. It, it started out as a very youthful program, but it has turned into this thing that's very special for veterans because it, in essence, it really gives them their lives back. It gives them something to live for and, and stuff. So, um, the, the, that part of the organization now is really, really growing. We're getting more and more vets involved. And I think that that's, that's some, those are some of the people that we've forgotten. They've put their lives on the line and, and stuff. So that part of the program now is really growing, and I'm very, very proud of that because I can see the look on their faces when they're able to get out of the house and get back with their friends and enjoy life again. So. Uh, things have changed as we've gone. We're still very youthful uh, with the youth in the area, but uh, we're, we're now adding the veterans, which is very, very important to me. And we're so thankful that you are a part of that. One final thing, Ozzy, this is in addition to being the 40-year anniversary of the Cardinals winning the 1982 World Series. It's the 20th anniversary of Ozzy Smith being elected to and inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And a couple of weeks ago, your teammate on that 82 team, Jim Cott, was elected. And I know that he was like the perfect fit. Jim Cott being the lefty reliever. 
receiver and Ozzie Smith at shortstop, it couldn't have been a better combination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you had ready. You had to make sure you kept your head up because Kitty got it and threw it. <laughs> he sure you did. Know, many times out there kicking the dirt, and he's the ball's on the way to the plate. You know, so as a as a defensive player, it's always nice to play behind people who work fast. You know, throw strikes and allow you to do your thing. And Kitty was just certainly that. And uh, I think it's taken a long time, but very, very deserving. Hey, Ozzy, we're so excited about this. February 17th at Ballpark Village. Again, you can get tickets $100 a piece at ozzyandfriends.com. And it is a reunion of the 1982 World Series infield, the greatest defensive infield of all time, Ken Oberfell, Ozzy Smith, Tom Herr, and Keith Hernandez. We're thrilled that you announced it here. Uh, by the way, I, I got a, a text from a golf course the other day that it's it's cart path only for the rest of the winter, as great as the weather has been. Randy's not going cart path. Only. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, just to be able to get outside, Randy, is 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 is, is what really, um, really, really what drives me. And uh, car path, being on a golf course, is is uh, is all I can ask for this time of year. It's hard to beat. Hey, have a happy holiday season and a happy birthday right after Christmas. And we'll definitely see you on fe- February seventeenth. But talk to you before then, Ozzy. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays. You too. See you later. That is the Hall of Famer, Ozzie Smith on 101 ESPN. It's a 40th anniversary celebration. That was the song for the 1982 World Champions. And it's the 1982 World Champion Cardinal infield of Obergefell, Ozzie, Her, and Hernandez, I believe. And I, I would venture to say that nobody could convince me otherwise that it's the best defensive infield of all time and I can't wait to see that group together with Whitey and with Joe Buck at Ballpark Village on the 17th. Tickets available at ozzyandfriends.com You should get tickets now. Imagine giving that to someone for the holidays. It's a fantastic holiday present and that's a great point Michelle. You can get them now and yeah what a great idea for a holiday gift. And as Ozzy said, you're going to get conversations between these guys who went through it together, and they're probably going to tell stories that you've never heard before. That's a that's you're going to buy the tickets, but what you're going to get back is priceless. And so, and you know, it's going to be there this year. So at Ballpark Village, take advantage of it, and we'll put it up. I'll, I'll put it up on uh, Twitter, and I know I know that the station and Michelle will retweet it as well, so that you have all the information. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Darren Pang talking blues next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is Character and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The St. Louis Blues play the Dallas Stars tonight. The Blues trying to get back on the winning track after their overtime defeat at the hands of the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday night. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Darren Pang joins us in the Blues booth on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Panger. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning, Randy and Michelle. I'm doing well, thank you. Okay, this uh, was a question on the fight this morning at 8.30, and Michelle is going to provide this question for you, and I believe you'll know the answer. Michelle. Okay, Darren, this was question number three on the fight today. What player was the first in the NHL to score a full-strength, power play, shorthanded, penalty shot, and open net goal in the same game? Mm, Broadcaster was Gary Thorne. Member of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mario Lemieux. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I knew you'd know the answer, but that gives you a glimpse into how incredible Mario was, doesn't it? 
Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, he was, you know, maybe single-handedly the most um, scary, the scariest player to play against because he just could do so many things. Like, Wayne was, I mean, phenomenally, you know, um, (laughs) Wayne did so many things that you were worried about where's the other guy he's passing to all the time. I mean, even though Wayne was the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game, you're always worried about where's that backdoor play? Where's Yari Curry? Where's Paul Coffey? Where's somebody else? Because he, he, he re, redefined what passing against the grain was. But Mario was unique in the fact that he could go with that big wingspan. He could go so far over to one side and then, and then either shoot it and flick his wrist and go under the crossbar that way, or he can bring it all the way back to his backhand and it it seemed like it was three acres <laughs> between you know his forehand and his backhand so no a very yeah an incredible an incredible player an incredible person and uh you know both those guys geez they're unbelievable unbelievable well Payne, you're speaking of unbelievable it's unbelievable what the blues have been able to do getting points in all of these games when they have so many guys who are unavailable to them how much of this do you attribute to coaching because it seems like the coaching staff really has a plan during this stretch yeah, I think Craig Berube's done his, a phenomenal job. I mean, this might be his best work. I mean, you know, obviously going from last to first, I mean, that was a momentum build in 2019, and uh, this is different. I mean, because, I mean, I'm looking at what, Perron, Neal, Thomas, Huso, Bozak, Falk, Binnington, Cairo, uh, certain points now, Shen uh, not on this trip. Um, Sunquist was out for a long time. Yeah, this has been this has been a remarkable job of coaching by the entire staff. Remarkable. Um you know, and I, I think, too, that credit goes to the players that have come in because, you know, they they don't try to replace David Perron or they don't try to replace what, uh, you, you know, what Robert Thomas does or other players like that. They, they, they just go out there and play, and I think that's why they're having some success. So um, really remarkable. And, and you know, the, there's bad news because, you know, obviously Cairo's injured and, uh, Braden, and Braden Shen didn't finish the last game, and he's not on this trip. But there is good news because Falk and uh, Tyler Bozak uh, are on this trip. So um, you know, so the uh, I, I think the healthy guys are are going to be coming in slowly but surely. Panger, one of the guys that I didn't really know anything about was Logan Brown, and and I love what I've seen so far. What have you learned about Logan Brown so far? Um, I think that 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 he's got. Um, a stronger stick than I than I thought he might have had. Um, you know, there's a lot of loose corner battles that uh, that you never know. Um, I mean, he's he's he is six foot seven, but he's you know he's not he's not thick like a Robert Thomas uh, or even a, like a David Perron style where you've got that big thick lower body and you, you battle on pucks and you win those battles. Um, but I, I've been really impressed with his stick. I've been impressed with the fact that he goes into scrums and he comes out with the puck, or or he goes into uh, you know a two on two in the corner and he and he and he makes a play. So th- you know those are the things that I'm most impressed with um, because I think um, from what I was told coming into this that he had great hockey sense. He could make a play. He's got good hands. He's a cra- creative player. Um, um, but he's not going to overwhelm you with any physicality, which I didn't expect that. But um, the, the physicality comes in a lot of different forms, and I think winning loose battles on pucks is one of them. And I think he's done a great job of that. And I think that's been the one thing that's that's been most impressive. Um, and so he keeps that up. I mean, that's great news for the St. Louis Blues. Another guy that we've certainly been paying attention to, Panger, is Nathan Walker, the Aussie, who's not only infused the Blues with some points, but with a lot of energy too. What have you been seeing from him? Cheers, cheers, mate. I think he's been great. Um, <laughs> I just, I, 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 you know, let's face it, smaller players uh, have to do a little bit more. 
and uh, certainly he has to do a little bit more, um, and he and he does it. His, uh, you know, he 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 doesn't have to run a guy over, but 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 he goes and hits a guy, um, finishes his checks, um, makes a play. Um, yeah, and I, I I mean I think you know that that wrist shot for whatever reason because you don't usually see guys, especially guys that aren't accomplished NHL players, you know beat a goalie straight on with wrist shots. So we've got something about the way he delivers that that's fooling the goaltenders a little bit. So that's 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 really something else. And and I'm I'm really happy for the guy. I mean I think I think these guys that uh that have to have such um self motivation when maybe not everybody's watching you, I think that's the toughest part. I mean he hasn't had a spotlight on him. And yet there he is. He there there he is. He goes down to the minors. He's a great teammate. Goes down to the minors. He's one of the top players. Just waiting for that call and waiting for that call. And when a guy gets called up, and, and not only does he get called up, and he's patient about that call that he gets, then he scores. Then he gets points. He's the kind of guy that you just want to be on your team, and you want him here. And I'm I'm hopeful that even with all the injuries, that a guy like Nathan Walker ends up staying here. Panger, even though the Stars have lost three in a row, they are 9-2-1 and one at home, and they've dealt with their in- injury issues as well, not as dramatic as the Blues have, but the Blues will have their hands full tonight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, Rope Hintz is, the, is one player that has really given the Blues trouble and, and the rest of the league trouble, and he's been you know, playing on the line with Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski, and they've been their best line, but he's injured. So, uh, from what it looks like, maybe Jamie Ben steps up there, and Jamie Ben seems to give the Blues a lot of trouble. I'd like to see somebody, you know, right off the hop, like a like a Dakota Joshua, um, you know, because Braden Shen's a guy that always gets in there physically and, and tries to you know nullify a guy like that. But it'd be good to see you know somebody else step up there and get in the face of Jamie Ben right away, because otherwise he can he can control it physically and then dominate it offensively as well. So. Um, they, they, I mean, they've got a good team. They're, 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 they've got a good checking line with Fox and Raffle and Glenn Denning, and uh, they're going to play a structured game. And so far, they've gotten really good goaltending um, from either Braden Holpe or Jake Ottinger. Um, and and I, I guess this gives us an opportunity to say, you know, cheers to a uh, great career for, for Ben Bishop. Absolutely. He, you know, he announced his retirement, and everybody knows Big Bish, and he's just a wonderful guy. And he gave it his all to come back. But anyway, congratulations to Bish. Yeah, and one of the iconic photos in St. Louis sports history is after that Game 7 with Maroon and Bishop and the St. Louis flag in the background. Yeah, iconic for, for the Blues and, and for uh, and, and, <laughs> right, and for, for Patty Maroon. Maroon. <laughs> but I'm sure that I'm sure Ben Bishop doesn't want to see that again. But, uh, yeah, it is a great photo, and it's just another great example of uh, the development of St. Louis products. Panger, thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Have a good one. See you later. That's Darren Pang joining us in the Blues booth on 101 ESPN. Blues and Stars tonight, 6.30 pregame here on 101 ESPN, the faceoff at 7 o'clock. We are going to cross things over with Danny Mac, the Danny Mac Show, coming up on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Thanks again for helping us raise more than $8,000 with our 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign. And with that, we are going to, you are going to help so many people in the metro area 
uh, of avoid food insecurity. We raised a total, you raised a total of $8,081. That provides 32,324 meals and will feed 8,081 people for an entire day. A dollar is worth $10 at Operation Food Search through the relationships that they have with partners and your support is going to help thousands of families with food insecurity. So thanks so much for participating and uh, hope you enjoy your 101 ESPN Blues t-shirt. Well, speaking of food, uh, got a bone to pick with Randall. Got, oh. Uh-oh. Yep, got me in trouble with the wifey. I got this text last night. Oh, yeah. no. What That's happened, great. Dan? Well, if you are... Um, Marital dispute? Yeah, this was a big one, too. Oh, no. If you're an acquaintance of Randall, he'll give you a, a wonderful... What would you call that, Randall? It's a tin. <clears throat> yeah, the tin. You know, yeah, and then it's he, coveted tin. And he, he, he puts the cookies, he makes great cookies, and puts it in the wrapping that... What would you call the wrapping? Wrapping? Uh, yeah, it's saran wrap and then surrounded by tissue paper. Yeah. So it's the tissue paper kind of yeah. crinkles. You can yeah. make a little noise with that. So I snuck up. I was watching something downstairs. I snuck upstairs, and uh, she could hear the... <laughs> oh, no. And she came around the corner and said, I caught you. She goes, get out of that thing. She's been eating that all day. I said, no, I haven't. Well, actually, I... Like that. And, uh, Your it, cheeks were filled. Yes. <laughs> trying all of Randall's delicious cookies and uh, yeah I demolished him and she was like look you're you know you shouldn't be eating all that stuff and I said well I like that stuff and it's the holiday season and I'm trying to to make sure that I'm taking care of my buddy Randy that put in all this effort to to get us cookies and treats and um, and she said yeah well get out of it that the, was it she was not happy the most salient point that you made Daniel is that it is the holiday season. That's what I thought, too, Randy. And there are songs about us eating during the holiday season. You just have to take advantage of the time of year. That's right. I said that uh, Randy was thinking about making a carrot cake, and she said, that's it. No. She goes, do I need to call Randy right now? So Joan (laughs) is mad at me, and now Libby's mad at you. Well, How about that? Libby's not listening right now, is she? Not a chance. You are getting a carrot cake. Thank you, buddy. I'll keep it in the car. It'll be cold outside. It'll be perfect. You know what you need to tell your wife? We get this tin once a year. That's what I tried to explain to her, Michelle. This is a rarity, Dan. Well, she wasn't having it. (laughs) I'm just telling you, she was not having it. Now, was she upset that you ate all of them because she wanted some too? Probably. And uh, I come home, my kids just rip me. (laughs) I mean, they're just all over me. Dad, you look terrible. Look at this guy. Look at that fading hairline. Look at your forehead. You look like Sponge. You no, know, they told me last night I looked like Squidward. <laughs> what? Yeah. They said my forehead was getting big like Squidward. Yeah. Like I made fun of my forehead. I say yeah. you can you could put a, you know, you could put uh watch a movie off this thing, I think man. It's a great forehead. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Michelle, yeah. but you know, it's it is a receding hairline. There's no question about it. But a great haircut. Oh, I no question. Hair yeah. Saloon for Men takes care of me all the time. So you know who I run into all the time over yeah. there is Anthony. Stalter? Yeah. Really? Uh, all the time. And we don't it's not like we know when we're gonna book each each other's uh. appointments, but when I walk in I always tell the ladies, I'm like, Let me tell you something, guys, if you mess this thing up, he's gonna go on the air and bury you people. He's a mean guy. You know who I used to see a lot, and this was yep. four or five, six years ago. I would see Walt and the Kachuk boys. Oh yeah. All the time getting their hair cut. Not Walt. Walt. Well, <laughs> Yeah, the boys. <laughs> yeah. Walt was, was there paying for it. Yeah. Now he didn't have to pay for it. But um, 
who else do I see there? I, Lance Lynn would go in there. Carp mm-hmm. uh, would be in there every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Hair saloon for men. Yeah, where men feel comfortable. Hey, uh, we just talked to Ozzy. How lucky are we as a community to have Ozzy Smith doing what he does for us? And his celebration, bringing in the de- defensive infield in the 40-year anniversary. I can't believe it's 40 years. I can't either. 40-year anniversary of the 82 World Championship, and it's going to be Obi, Ozzy, her and Hernandez at Ballpark Village on February 17th. Tickets available at ozzyandfriends.com. And the money goes to something that basically he started, PGA yep. Reach, and it's taken on a national flavor, but the Gateway PGA Reach will benefit from this event. All the proceeds will go. But, Dan, as you know, we wouldn't have n- not gotten the PGA Championship here in 2018 if it were not for Ozzie Smith. Yeah, a lot of people stepped up. Ozzie um, was big with that. Ozzie was big with the Ascension, too. Yeah, big time. Uh, played in that and... Uh, Played in the pro am and um, he's awesome. I I am fascinated with a guy from San Diego who gets traded in the coldest of days to St. Louis. Now lives in St. Louis yeah. year round and loves it. I, I have found that it's really interesting too that since Stan has passed and then Red and now Lou and Bob, he's the next. He's you know, the guy. He, he's the guy. When you think of the Cardinal Hall of Famers, at least for me, I and am I missing anybody? You think? I mean, no, because he's here and Bruce yeah. Sutter isn't. Yeah, Whitey obviously. Yeah. Whitey would be there too, Ozzy and Whitey, and but they're kind of connected at the hip with the great '80s teams. But in terms of the players, um, it's Ozzy. And I, I was on um, the fast lane yesterday, and the guys were asking me about. Uh, well, I, I put it this way: I said. For our young listeners, I don't know if you will agree with this, and maybe you will too, Michelle, because we're all different ages. But you think of like your your biggest superstar in St. Louis, the Waynos, the Yachty, uh, even with Big Max Heyday. Before all that, Ozzy Smith was the thing, man. He was a massive superstar, and I don't think people realize how big, like I did, because I grew up in that mm-hmm. era. But you know, you didn't have the internet, so you had Sports Illustrated or, you know, the Sporting News or something of that nature that was a big-time publication. He was all over the place. And every year he led all, all baseball over the in All-Star votes. It was for a five- or six-year period. He was the number one vote-getter for the All-Star game. And he'd be on, like, the, the Johnny Bench show mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff. So he, he was the guy. He was a, just a massive superstar. How would you compare him? Because, obviously, I didn't grow up in that era. But when I was growing up, Albert Pujols was everything. He was the guy. He was larger than life, the superstar. I always said, prior to Albert, we had Ozzy. I, yep. They were right there. Now, it's different eras because of social media and the Internet mm-hmm. made them different superstars. Right. But I would have put them as the same in, in that era of how you judge popularity. Put it that way. Now, Albert was Albert's probably the best player that's ever played here with Stan. But in terms of the popularity of the era... Would you agree with that? I think Ozzy was there. And yeah, then you had I, I would say so. And you the, know, Albert the one, was the 2000s, yeah. and, and Ozzy was the 80s. And Ozzy was just spectacular in a different way. Ozzy was so visual. And w- I, I always compare shortstops to Ozzy because Ozzy, and this was before shifting, but he would wind up in your TV screen when other shortstops would right. never wind up in your TV screen from right. the, with the shot from behind second base. Uh, Albert, because he was hitting home runs and he wasn't fast. Different game, yeah, different too. game. Yeah, yeah. But he he was spectacular in his own way. But Ozzy just brought something that we had never seen here in St. Louis. I I'm really curious, and I'm supposed to get with Ozzy um, later today. 
couple of questions I wanted to ask him is why did you decide to stay here when mm-hmm. you, you grew up in a warm weather West Coast area? And two, do you think you would have been drafted or looked at in this day and age of baseball? Good question. If he's honest, I wonder what he would say. Yeah. Now, we do have guys that did play after Ozzy that were like Ozzy. I'm not saying they were Ozzy. Ray Ordonez was a fabulous defensive player. Omar Vizquel was a fabulous defensive player. Um, but in this day and age, when it's all about power and home runs and what can you do at the plate offensively, and we, well, we'll take what we get defensively. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he gets to look we, like he would back then. Yeah. We, I mean, Whitey would well, say, do you want a guy that drives in 100 or saves 100? Right. You know? Yeah. He, he's, he was... Well, he's the best probably that we'll ever see. And a great Christmas gift. So, Michelle, you already did this, right? Yes. Um, Are you going to go? We're going to gift it to someone in our family. Oh, cool. So, I think it's a great... Uh, we might be listening. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Dad. Surprise, <laughs> yeah. Dad. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And Uncle Terry. <laughs> no, that'll be, a fun, uh, that'll be a fun night. When those guys get together... And I've done a bunch of those nights. I started the speaker series mm-hmm. with the Cardinals. And so we've done Hernandez and Willie and Lou and Bob and Stan and our uh, uh, Red, all these different guys. When they get in that atmosphere where it's not a television or radio interview, it's just them uh, sitting up there having a couple of wines yeah. and getting together with their buddies. It's awesome. It'll it's stuff that you just never see or hear. And that's what makes it uh, so much fun. What do we have coming up on the Danny Mac show? Uh, talk a lot about the Blues going to uh, going to Dallas tonight. So Andy Strickland will be one of our guests, and uh, we're efforting to try to get one of the uh, play-by-play voices of the Stars on this show as well, if we can. And if not, we'll just kick it around and talk about what's happening with the Blues. I can't remember, Randy, in my time, and I know we talked about it, guys, uh, last week, and Michelle, and you follow it and have followed it for a long time. I just can't remember a time where this team has been this beat up with illness, Obviously, COVID and uh, an injury. I, I and I mean the big name players too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you never had to deal with the cap issues that cause yes. you to play with seventeen skaters too. That's a problem too. You think they readjust this after this year? I, I hope so. I mean, they did last year. They had taxi squads. I don't know why they haven't this year. Here's, Here's the other thing. Do you think uh, NHL players go to the Olympics? I can't imagine that they would go. If you have to quarantine for five weeks, yeah. is what they're saying. I, I don't see guys doing it. I'm with you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Okay, thanks, guys. Great job by our producer engineer, Andrew Marsh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Looking forward to tomorrow because it is? Hump day? That is correct. Yeah, today's Tuesday, Randy. It is Tuesday. Okay, well, hold on. Let me did you win the fight today, Randy? <laughs> of course I did, Dan. Mm. Of course he did, Dan. <laughs> mm. But he had right. a tough uh, – his competitor got three correct. Oh. Chris, I believe his name was. Did Randy go four or four? Or did it go down to the uh, tie break? Uh, it went – he got all four. Randy got all four. Mm. Beat him four to three. So, nice Michelle, job. tomorrow. Guess what day it is, huh? Pump day. See you then. What's that great. from, by the way? Uh, the Geico commercial. Oh, that's right. You told me that last week Yep. <laughs> and the week before. Thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.